You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. God bless you. God bless you for being here. Cell phones on silent, please. Let's stand as we turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Church members, look around. Make sure that everybody has a Bible that they can see. Guests and visitors, God bless you so much for being here. We hope you don't feel like a visitor. We hope you feel like family. And that's one thing that we all came to love about this church. It's one big family, and we want it to get bigger. So your usual family, you want to get, no, I won't say, I won't say that. You're, we want our church family to get bigger, so make sure we, we're either going to grow by guests and visitors, or we're going to grow by more ladies having babies. So what's going to happen here? We have three. It always comes in threes, doesn't it? We have three, so we need somebody to volunteer to start the next round of three. And we're looking for twins somewhere, so ladies, we're praying for you. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 9, everybody focus in, nobody moving around, please, nobody moving around. I'm I'm struggling right now with how to open this, because we're about to read, we can either read the whole context of the passage, and I can explain the context of the passage to you, or is it enough to tell you, if you want to know about the context of the passage, you can come up and ask me afterwards, and I can tell you what it is. Is it enough for you to let you know there is one universal truth within the context? It's not hidden in the context. It's used to bring light to the context, but you can take that universal truth out of the middle of the context, and the truth can stand on its own. If, if you agree with that, if you understand that, then we can really just focus on that and get right into the message. So do you understand that we don't hurt the context by bringing out this one universal truth? Because context is very important, right? It's very important. You can get the Bible to say a lot of things if you take it out of context. So don't leave here telling me that I took something out of context. Deal? Either that or we're going to go through everything and it's going to add another 30 minutes to the message. So what do we want to do? We'll just focus on the universal truth. Okay, how about that? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 is where you're going to find this. Now the context is 23 through 28. If you want to know about it, I'll tell you all about it. But here is the universal truth that we can find. Let's read it all together, okay? Verse 27, ready, begin. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So do you see how and as kind of ties it to the context of what comes before? But if you just read this, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. That's a universal truth. You don't need to know the context in order to understand that that is true. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I have a question for you this morning. What about after this? Are you thinking about after this? And the message that I want to give to you this morning is preparation for after happens before. Preparation for after happens before. We're going to pray and then I'm going to tell you about one of my first 
horrible jobs, and then we'll get moving into the message, okay? Heavenly Father, please bless the preaching of your word. Help us to focus in on what is truly important for those who do not know where they're going to spend their eternity after this. Please convict them. Do not let them go. Have them feel as if the earth would open up and swallow them into hell if they do not trust you as Savior. But for those who have come to you and do know you as Savior, for those who are risen in Christ, help us to seek those things which are above and let it be so for Christ's sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, in, in college... I got this email from, I think, Indeed. I think I was in, on Indeed or Monster or, or something like that. And um, it was an opportunity to be an insurance agent. And I, it sounded cool. I just liked the thought of being an agent, you know. And, and they told you, I mean, they really, they really pumped it up. You know, when you show up for your interview, make sure you're in a suit and tie and, you know, no business casual, you'll be asked to leave and all these. I was like, wow, this is, this is legitimate. This is awesome. And I was only 20 at the time or something like that. And I'm going to be an agent. So I, so I went to, I, I went to the interview and I mean, nailed it, right? Nailed it. Did you hate it when people ask you, how did the interview go? I mean, I don't know. I don't have the job. I'll let you know if I get the job. I, I hate that. I hate that question. Uh, but anyways, the, the, I, got, I got reached out to maybe three or four days later, and they said, okay, you got the job. Why don't you come in? We said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We had, um, we had a little orientation meeting and all those different things, and I got paired with another insurance agent. Now, I'll just kind of give you the spoiler now. I found out it was a pyramid scheme, but it's just, it's, it's okay. Everything's cool. Don't worry about it. Let's just talk about the insurance agent part, okay? So we were focused on bringing whole life insurance to a, a very specific group of people, especially people who worked in unions, okay? And we had to memorize this presentation. And all throughout the presentation, the entire thing was about death. The entire thing, it was like this PowerPoint presentation that you would pull up on your computer. And it was to get the person to feel like before you left, they would die. It was very depressing. It was, there was like sad music that went on in the background. There's pictures of ladies like grieving over caskets. And, and you're, you're sitting there like trying to, you know, basically break this person's heart and then say, give me money because this could happen to you. They didn't respond very well. Now, I, 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 and, and that is the fear. That's the fear. We don't like thinking about death. We don't like thinking about it. But listen, you need to think about it. You need to think about it because death is not the end. There is an after this. So I understand. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to get you. To, I'm not trying to scare you with any type of threat. But, but you, I, I'm trying to wake you up to the reality that you are not promised tomorrow. And it's nothing you need to fear. It's nothing you need to fear if you are prepared. But preparation for after begins now. I enjoy life. I enjoy life. Life is difficult. And the more people you add to it, the more difficulties you add. You know that. 
nothing against family and nothing against friends. And if you've recently come into my life, I'm not calling you a difficulty, but I'm also not saying that you've simplified my life in any way either. <laughs> you know how that is. The more people that you add, you get married. That's complicated. <sighs> Case in point. Do you see the look she just gave me? I don't even have my glasses on. <clears throat> you add kids. That complicates things. We'll stop there. We're not going to go. You, and, then, and then you meet cousins and uncles and aunts and everything. And, and, but life is enjoyable. <laughs> I didn't say anything about moms and dads. You, you did notice that. Life is difficult, but, is it, but it is enjoyable. If you live according to, to the scriptures, but that's, a, that's a, another message entirely. But what I'm saying is just as much as life is difficult and just as much as life is enjoyable... Life is also short, life is also fragile, and life is also not all there is. And if you want to know just a little basis of how verse 27 fits into the entire context here, verse 27 confronts you, well, verse 23 through 28 confronts you with the truth that one day you will be judged by the Christ who once died that you might live according to his plan, not according to your own plan. The day is going to come at this moment. You have an appointment to be judged for how you once lived for the one who once died and by the one who once died. Now, I'm going to make four statements in my message this morning, but all four of them are to get you to think about this. What about after? I want this question to ring in your mind and pierce your hearts. What about after this? And what happens after this lies heavily on this. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, you're alive and well today, and I'm glad that you are, but what about after this? And this verse declares four truths, and may I say four uncomfortable truths, but it's okay, every now and then we need to be made uncomfortable. Uncomfortable truth number one, that this verse makes very clear. You will die. You will die. It is appointed unto men once to die. Death is the great equalizer, right? The debt that all people pay is what we call death. You cannot escape it. You will someday, possibly even today, have an appointment with death. Why? Why do we, why do you, why do I have an appointment with death that we cannot escape? Romans chapter 5. Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, Adam sinned, and sin entered into the world, and death entered by sin. And so death passed upon you and passed upon me, Death passed upon all men because all have sinned. 
And the wages of sin is death. If you are employed, you have a wage. The wage for your work is your salary. The wage for sin is death. You have an appointment. Your appointment with death was reserved and set the day you sinned for the first time. And unless you can go back to that day that you sinned for the first time and undo it, and then from then on, never do one more thing that God tells you not to do, and never avoid one more thing that God tells you to do, unless you can do that, you at this moment have an appointment with death that you cannot escape. You will die. Uncomfortable truth number two, you can't choose when that appointment comes. It is appointed unto men once to die. Notice that. It's appointed unto men. It's not appointed by men. Your appointment is appointed by God. It is not appointed by you. You don't set it. You don't know how long you have to live. Can we put it that way? Proverbs 27.1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. James 4.14 what is your life? Or it says something a little before that. Ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You do not know that you have tomorrow. Somebody said, how fleeting is life? Look at life at its longest and see how short it is. And look at life at its best and see how fragile it is. Now, I want you to do something for me. I want you to kind of imagine that there's, there's a, a spectrum of people, okay? And there's a spectrum of people over here on this side. That thing keeps opening. Have you noticed that? I think we have ghosts in here. No, unless somebody just comes and keeps, keeps opening that. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Anyways, don't, don't okay. I want you to observe this, this imaginary spectrum here. And over here... Have you not observed how people live and you observe how people approach life? And when you observe how they approach life, you can tell that there are many people who will put on this side of the spectrum who give no thought to death. They give no thought to the possibility that today may be their last day. Some of you are over here on this end of the spectrum. Some of you live your life as if you are invincible. You live your life as if death is some distant bridge that you are going to cross much later. Oh, poor kid. Don't, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. We do have a nursery if you would like, but if not, don't worry about it, sir. We will focus in. Some of you live your life as if death is some distant bridge that you will cross over way later, so I'm not going to pay any attention to it. That's some people over here. I don't think I need to convince you that youth is no guarantee of life. We have all known people who have died young. Don't be so foolish that it cannot touch you. Don't be so foolish that your appointment with death is somewhere very far because you're young. But I hear people all the time, I'm not thinking about that right now. And here's what they say. Here's what they say. I have time to be faithful in church later. I have time to get to know my Bible when I get older. Who's to say you're going to get older? I have time to learn how to pray later. 
I have time to get involved later. I have time to focus on God later. Who's to say you have later? You know how many people I've heard say, on my deathbed, I'll get right with God. You're not promised a deathbed. What about my 20-year-old friend that I grew up with in school, 20 years old, pregnant with her first kid, had just been married, I think less than a year, took a misstep on the top of the stairs, fell down, broke her neck, went into a coma, and never woke up again. Do I need to convince you that, that strength and health are no guarantee of life, no matter how old you are? Some of the strongest people in this room are over 80. It's crazy what you guys are able to do. But your, your strength and your health is no guarantee of life. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. We are, we are one car accident away. We are one missed stop sign away. We are one blood clot away. Get a blood clot in your heart, blood clot in your brain. Wow. I just had one. Chill out, people. Do you, do you realize I have said like a thousand words properly and I say three words wrong? Ha, loser. Thank you. Love you too. A blood clot in your brain. One violent crime. One breath away. You will die. It is appointed. You can't choose when that happens. It's appointed unto you by God. I know you don't like thinking about it, but you have to think about it because here's the third truth, the third uncomfortable truth. When you die, that's it. There is no second chance. There is no coming back. No arguing with the angels like Larry Moe and Curly that you have unfinished business down on earth. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. When your appointment with death arrives, your life here below is over. Listen, the only time you have to prepare for your one death is your one life. Somebody asked this, what gives death such a solemn aspect? And the answer is simple. You can only do it once. And he goes on to say, in life, pretty much every error, every negligence, every ignorance, every sin can in some sort be undone. But in death, if you fail in death, it cannot be repaired. Your life is summed up in that moment. So observe on one side over here, people don't want to think about death or people don't think about death because they see it so far away. I'll think about that later. And I'll, I'll do all the things that I know I should do later. But right now, I have time. So here's what I'm going to focus on. Now observe on the other end of the spectrum, somebody over here who understands that death could come at any moment. But in that understanding, some of, some of you in here, some of you in here are over here on this side of the spectrum. You understand that your life is short. You understand that your life is fragile. You understand that life is fleeting. Maybe you've had a near-death experience yourself. Maybe somebody close to you has died. You, you understand that. But with that understanding, you have adopted the idea of let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Life is short, so I'm going to live it up. That's the other side of the spectrum. No, I believe that death is near. And because death is near, and I only live once, I'm going to enjoy my alcohol. 
and I'm going to enjoy my drugs while I can because I might die tomorrow. So let's party. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do any of that. I can do whatever I want, and I will do whatever I want because this is my only life. I'm going to put myself first. I'm going to chase my career. I'm going to treat life like Burger King. Have it your way. I'm going to make my first million. I'm going to move to the big city. I'm going to buy that new truck. I'm going to buy that new car. There's, there is a company, there's a company out there right now, and I'm not going to say it exactly because I don't want any of you searching it, but there's a company out there right now whose motto is life is short, so commit adultery. And that's how people on this side of the spectrum sometimes react. Life is short. May as well have fun. YOLO! So on one, one side of the spectrum, you have people who think death's so distant, they give it no thought, so they live an aimless, lazy, I'll do it later kind of life. And then you have other people over here who understand that death may be, may be coming soon, so they live a selfish and crazy and I'll do whatever I want kind of life. Now, when it comes to how those two groups think about death, they have nothing in common, do they? They have nothing in common. One doesn't think about it at all or thinks about it as something distant. One thinks about it as something close. They have nothing in common there. But you know what both of those have in common? Neither of them are thinking, what about after? And that's truth number four. After you die, so let's take this one at a time. You will die. It is appointed unto men once to die. You cannot choose when that happens. It is appointed unto you when you will die. Number three, when you die, that's it. It's appointed unto men once. And then truth number four, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Truth number four, after you die, you will be judged. So to those of you who are over here on this side of the spectrum, and you think death distant. Question, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Today, you may stand before God. And then for those of you over here, and you think death near, what if you're right? You will either take your thoughts of death being near, you will, you will either take that as a reason to live however you want to live, or you will take that as a reason to live for the one who will judge you according to how you lived. You let the world say you only live once. The Bible says you only die once. And if you want to say I only live once, that's, that's all well and good. But life is not all there is. And the Bible doesn't just say you only die once. Because death isn't all there is. There is an after this when God will judge you according to what you did in your life, whether it is good or bad. So my question for you this morning, having said those four uncomfortable truths, is tell me, what about after this? Are you ready for after this? And don't tell me you're going to get ready later. You will die. And you don't know. You have no control over that appointment. It could happen today. And if it does, that's it. That's it. 
and you will stand before God. And it is my calling to make sure that you are ready for after this. And what I'm trying to tell you, and here's what I'm, here's what I'm afraid of. When I observe a lot of people in this church, I don't think you're thinking, what about after this? I'm not just preaching this because I had nothing else to preach. I'm preaching this because I am concerned. When I look out at parents, when I look out at moms and dads, when I look out at husbands and wives, when I look out at children and teenagers, when I look out at church members, I'm concerned. And I want to know, are you thinking about after this? I know that there are people in this room, if I were to ask you, if I were to ask you, do you know for sure that if you died right now that you would go to heaven? Do you know for sure? I know there are people in here, your answer would be, I do not know for sure. I hope so. I think so. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to base your after this on a hope so? You're going to base, because there is an after this. And, and the moment you go, the moment you step into your appointment with death, at that point, you are either going to be judged and escorted into eternal life in heaven, or you are going to be bound and cast into eternal death in hell. Remember, you remember grandma? Remember grandma Flo? We were witnessing to her over and over. You need to trust Christ. You need to trust in Jesus. What was her religion growing up? Was she any, any type? I think she was Protestant or, or something like that. But uh, no, no really overt religion in her life or anything. And here's what she kept saying. When I die, I'll figure it out then. No. No. This makes it very clear. This makes it very clear. You will die. You have no control over it. When it happens, that's it. What's done is done. So what I'm trying to tell you is if you want to know whether or not you're going to heaven or hell, you don't figure it out after this. You figure it out before. But are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about it? What about after this? Well, I don't think death is anywhere near. You might be right. You might be wrong. Well, I think death is near, so I'm going to live however I want. Okay, you go ahead and do that, and then you're going to die, and you're going to stand in front of the one who told you, who will tell you, I didn't die so that you could live however you want. I didn't die so that you could please yourself. I died so that you could please me. How about, how about you parents of young kids? How about you parents of young kids? You, you have kids that are 12 and younger. What about after this? Because when I observe how a lot of parents of young kids raise their kids, I have to come to the conclusion you're not thinking about after this. And I put myself in that same boat. But every time you lose your temper in front of your kids, your young kids, and I'm not saying that once they turn 13, let it fly, but you, okay? Every time you lose your temper in front of your kids, every time you fight in front of your kids, every time you fail, and I use that word purposely. Every time you fail to have your children in church, God did not give those kids to you to distract you from him. God gave you to those children to keep them in God's way. He said, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You, parents, train up a child in the way that he should go. And right now we have kids running the show. 
And okay, but wait, 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 wait. If you want to blame, if you want to blame the problems that we have in our world and in our nation right now on the young kids, I place the blame squarely on the shoulders of parents who aren't thinking of after this. Every time your kids come up to you and say, can we have devotions? And you say, no, I'm tired. That's a missed opportunity. You're not thinking of after this. Every time you sit them in front of the TV and you say, Sesame Street is your parents now. I'm going to go and I'm going to do something else. You're not thinking of after this. Are you thinking of the fact that you will be held accountable? You will one day, possibly very soon, stand before the God who will hold you accountable for how you raise those children. What about parents of older kids, 13 and up? What about after this? Because you know what a lot of parents do when they start getting to this age? They start laxing up on the rules that they used to hold very hard. Oh, you're old enough now. You can watch that. What? Well, they're going to hear it at some point. <laughs> Let them hear it in the world, not in your home. I'll amen myself. It's fine. Amen, preacher. Just to let you know, it takes longer, though, when I have to amen myself. You start laxing up on, on the rules. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a teenager now. You can wear that. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're old enough now. You can watch that. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, you can have unrestricted access to the Internet. I mean, you are 14. Could you handle that at 14? But my kids are different. <laughs> you're different, too, and not in the good way. Every time you start letting up on all those things, every time you start taking a, taking a step back, every time you assassinate their spiritual authority in front of them, every time you take their side when, they have, when there's, you have no business taking their side, every time you take their side against the authority, when you should be taking a rod to their backside, that's the only side you should be taking at the moment, Every time you do that, they see it, they watch it, and it affects them. And everything that you do, mom and dad, in moderation, they will do in excess. And one day you're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to want to know, what happened? You weren't thinking of after this, were you? Because I can't help but think if you were, you'd raise them a little differently. And then what about you, teenagers? You understand just because, how old are you? 13. You could die today. And it's not like just because you get there. I was only 13. Oh, bless your heart. Go ahead. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. So you tell, you, you, you tell me, all, all of you teenagers right here, you tell me. What about after this? When you stand before God at the judgment, how would he judge your character? You know, the character that you keep saying, I'll, I'll get when I'm in college. Who's to say you're going to make it? How would he judge your Bible reading right now? 
how would he judge your prayer time? How would he judge your obedience? Because you know there's one thing that kind of upsets the Lord. In fact, there are two lists in the Bible where he starts listing a lot of bad stuff, like rated R stuff. And right in the middle of all of them is disobedient to parents. How would he judge your soul winning? How would he judge your spirit? How would he judge your attitude? How would he judge all of that? Because he cares. And he's watching. And if you're after this, begins sooner than you think, you will be judged for what you have done, whether it be good or bad, even when you are a kid. Older people. You know what breaks my heart about older people? A lot of people who live, who live their life for the Lord start backing up when they get older. Oh, I fought my fight, now it's time for them. No, 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 can, can you do this? Can you do this? You qualify to serve the Lord. Congratulations. And when I see older people, you know who you are. I didn't say old. I said older. When I see older people start to back up. And they start to get more and more obstinate towards the things of the Lord. And things that used to bother them uh, as far as their sin is concerned suddenly doesn't bother them. Because you've earned it. Because... You've gone through life and you start using your age as an excuse for everything. I just talk that way because I'm old. I just do that because I'm old. And I do that because I'm old. And old, 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 old. You're not thinking of after this. And I don't mean this to be rude. I don't mean this to be crude in any way. But if anybody should be thinking of after this, it's the older ones. You are closer today than you ever have been. I know that we all are, but... And you know what, the, going, going back, you know what the person might say who I'm, I'm in here and I'm saying, if you do not know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, you better figure that out. You better figure that out because you will die. And you do not know when that will happen. And when it happens, that's it. If you want to come back and say, that's none of your business, don't worry about me. I will worry. I will worry. And it is my business. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I didn't choose to be. God called me to be. Amen. And when God talked to Ezekiel, he said, you listen to me, little guy. I made you a watchman. I have set you a watchman above the people. And there is judgment coming. And just like a watchman would stand in a tower and see an invading army, if that watchman doesn't turn around and sound the warning, guess whose fault it is? It's the watchman's fault. But if I stand up and say, judgment is coming, and you ignore me, that's your fault. But I will not have your blood on my hands. You will die. You do not know when it's going to happen. And when that happens, that's it. If you want to be ready for after this, you better do it before. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you better figure that out now. And the good news is you can. It's, it's really simple. For whosoever... Shall oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me make sure let me make sure I can remember this because it's difficult. For whosoever 
shall go to church, join said church, give to the church, be baptized in the church, do sacraments from the church, make pilgrimages that, hang on, make pilgrimages that the church tells you to do, make sure you keep all the commandments, make sure you do this, make sure you do that, 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 take an eight-week Sunday school course, shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's easy. You can get it figured out today. And for teenagers and for parents, parents of younger, parents of older, couples, and, and who, whoever you are, you, you know who you are. If you want to look back at me and say, it's none of your business, leave me alone. Other pastors might do that, not me. Because it is my business. Because you know what the Bible tells me just a little bit later in, in the same book, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, you know what it, you know what it tells you? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Do you know what I wanted to be when I, when I was growing up? A cowboy. You know what I wanted to be when I grew up a little bit more? A lawyer. If I had control over my life, that's what I would have been. God had different plans for me. I do not have the rule over you because I want to have the rule over you. I do not have the rule over you because I, I love, I just love making decisions. I have the rule over you because the Lord said, you are watching for their souls and I take that very seriously. It is my business. And I am concerned you're not thinking about after this. Do you realize that when my after this begins, I first have to get an, give an account for me? And then he's going to say, tell me about Roy and Cindy Keith. And tell me about Mike Haven. And tell me about Mark Gonatakis. Tell me about the member who's been in your church for 50 years. Tell me about the person who visited once. Every single person that has fallen under the sound of my voice, I will give an account for. You better believe I'm going to take it seriously. And every single one that has ever asked to join here, I have told you the same thing. I take this very seriously. You are asking me to watch for your soul. Let me tell you when I see something that concerns me, please, if you're asking me to be your pastor, I would be honored to be your pastor, but let me pastor you. And right now, I have to say, what about after this? Because if you were to ask me, if, I, if my after this were to begin right now and I had to give an account for every single one of you, if I would be able to do all of it with joy, no. Some of you, if I had to get, and I'm not going to look because you, lest you think that I'm looking right at you. Some of you, if I were to give an account for you right now, it would greatly grieve me. Constantly complain. Complain about everything. Bicker one with another. I don't know if you noticed, but we're getting attacked by the enemy right now. This is not time to fight amongst each other. 
You have a bad spirit. You do what you're supposed to do, but you do it with a, just a bad attitude. Serve the Lord with gladness. You gossip, you're unfaithful, not, not being a good example for your kids. You're letting your wife lead the home. I'm going to pause there to make sure you know I'm not afraid of saying that. You let your wife lead the home, sir. For goodness sake, step up and be the godly man that you are supposed to be. Put your foot down or put it up. No submission to authority. Let me tell you something about authority. It's not always going to be right, but it will always be authority. I promise you one thing, church. Authority has to make a lot of decisions. You know that? It's the best part. That's why we, that's why we became leaders. Let me promise you something about the decisions that I make. Promise number one, I will make the wrong one every now and then. Promise number one. I promise you I will. I will not let you down. <laughs> but not, the second promise I make you, and every godly authority would, would make, every godly parent, every godly older sibling, whatever, I will not make that decision if I haven't prayed about it. I will not make that decision if I didn't have peace about it at the time. And I will not make a decision that I will not take full responsibility for if it is wrong. There's no submission. You're hateful. Hateful. Hateful to each other. You're not thinking of after this. Well, what am I supposed to do other than complain? Ask. Ask. Pastor, I'm seeing this going on. Is there something that I don't know? Or pray about it. You know, you know, you know the problem with a lot of churches? We have a lot of priors and not a lot of prayers. And if you're not going to ask about it and if you're not going to pray about it, keep quiet about it. Instead of bickering, get along or stay away from the person. If you have a bad spirit, smile. Instead of gossiping, pray. And I'm not saying, let's all gather around so we can pray because I don't know if you've heard, but so-and-so is in a relationship behind their parents' back and we just want to pray for them. <laughs> don't disguise your gossip in prayer. If you're unfaithful, be faithful. Instead of being a bad example, train up a child. Instead of letting your wife lead the home, you lead the home. Instead of not submitting to authority, submit to authority. Instead of being hateful to the brethren, be kind. P, 
people who sow discord, people who make trouble in the church, people who gossip, people who complain, people who question about everything, people who teach falsely in the church, we've had a lot of that happen even recently. Where we're going to have Bible studies in a personal home and go against what is being preached in this pulpit. You go ahead and have your fun. What about after this? Church hoppers. Some people are just church hoppers. You stay just long enough to see if you can influence the pastor. And if you can, you'll stay. If you can't, you're out. But you'll make friends along the way and take them with you when you leave. You go ahead and do that. What about after this? Because there is an after this. And the only chance you have to prepare for after this is this. So if you desire to be a godly parent, and if you desire to be a godly young person, if you desire to lead your loved one to Christ, would you like to go to heaven and say, I won my whole family to the Lord? Yeah. Would you like to be able to stand before the Lord someday and say, Lord, I took a stand at work for you? Yeah. People knew I was a Christian. They didn't like me because of it, but they knew I was a Christian. A lot of people at work, they would know you're a Republican. They would know you're a Cowboys fan. They would know you're this and they would know you're that. They know your favorite restaurant, but they don't know that you have a Savior in Jesus Christ. Would you like somebody to know? Would you, would you like to be able to stand before the Lord someday and say, I, I made an impact for you, Lord, at my work? And I led my kids in the right way. And I was a loving spouse. And I gave to missions. And I was a soul winner. I wasn't perfect, but I was a soul winner. Amen. Would you like to be able to say that God used me in my life and that you learned your Bible? Would you like to be able to know that when you bow your head in prayer that you get a hold of God? Would you like to know that you are for sure that you're going to heaven? You better figure that out before after. Because after this, whatever is left incomplete will be judged as incomplete. Stop saying tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. You don't know when you will die. You can't choose your appointment. When you die, that's it. And you will face judgment. I wrote this in my Bible. It wasn't, wasn't my quote. In this one word of eight letters, judgment are piled up harps and chains, palaces and dungeons, hallelujahs and wailings of eternity. I do not know how long the last trial will take, but I am very certain that all the past will rush through our recollection. And just imagine it, how that man, that woman will feel when displayed before him or her, there shall be 10, 20, 30, or 40 years of wasted opportunities. I want to live with after this in mind so that when after this comes, I have a crown, not a crown to keep for myself, but to give back to the one who died for me. Amen. So for those of you on this one side, you think death's so distant, you, you give it no thought. What if you're wrong? What about after this? For those of you on this side, you're, you're thinking about it. Yeah, death could come at any time. So you use that as a reason to live however you want to live. I can't help but realize and think, if you were actually thinking about after this, you would not live for yourself. You would live for the one who died for you. If death is the end, live it up. Go ahead. I give you permission. If death is the end, you live it up. But if there is an after this, don't you think you should think about it? And prepare for it. 
But you know what this message is? Are you, are you ready? Here's a little illustration. You ready? Clear your mind. Clear your mind. Nothing in there. Should be easy for you. Nothing in there. Ready? Don't think about koala bears. What are you thinking of right now? Okay, so you know what this message is? Are you thinking about after this? You could all say, honestly, yeah, I am. Well, you are now. But I want to know, are you going to think about it enough to change the way you live? And if there are people in here you're thinking about after this, and you are scared because you know if your appointment was today, you're not ready. There's only two reasons why after this would scare you. Only two reasons. Reason number one, you know that you are saved, but you're not acting like it. So how many of you right now by raise of hand would say, I know for sure I'm saved. You know, you know the Bible word saved. Not saved from a car wreck, not saved from cancer. Not, oh, oh yeah, the Lord saved me before from a bad life. No, no. Saved from your sin. Are you, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you know that? And if you can say that, honestly, don't lie in church. Raise your hand. I know it. I know it. Okay. All right. All right. If you are scared of after this, it's because you're not living like you are saved. And Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Can I rephrase that? If you are saved, you better start thinking of after this. If you know that eternal life awaits you after this, stop living for this. And answer this in your heart, honestly. Does the thought of after this make you in any way say, I need to change the way I parent? Does the thought of after this in any way challenge you to change how you act towards your spouse? Does the thought of after this in any way make you say, I better get it right with that person? Well, good. Good, now we're getting somewhere. Let the thought of after this restrain you from sin and get you to hold on to Jesus Christ, the one who died for you. Live for the one who died for you so that you can stand before him after this with boldness, the Bible says. Now, reason number two, that after this would scare you. You don't know that you're saved. You don't know. Do you realize that, that you will either stand before Jesus saved or lost? Those are Bible terms, right? Saved or lost. After this, Jesus will either be your savior or he will be your condemner. He will either say welcome or he will say depart. He will not say, let's talk about this. He will not say, give me your thoughts. Give me your arguments and then I'll make my decision. It's done. So if the fear of standing before a holy God grips your heart this morning, if the fear of being cast into hell is filling your mind, if, if, if the fear of death is gripping you this morning, there is a Savior who will remove all of that fear. I didn't say there's a denomination. I didn't say there's a religion. I didn't say there's a good work. There is a Savior. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2. I know it's there.
Verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Say, Johnny, I fear death. I'm not ready for after this. You're either saved and you're not acting like it. Change. Or you're not saved at all. This is for you. You ready? Verse 14. For as much then as the children, he's talking about us, human beings. As much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. Are we not made of flesh and blood? Yes. He also himself likewise took part of the same. Did Jesus not come down and become flesh? Yes. Flesh and blood like we did. Yes. Why did he do that? That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily, truly, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He became flesh and blood. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him. That's a fun word. It behooved him to be made like unto us, unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things uh, pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. There's no need to fear after this. You can be prepared. But it happens before. It happens before. And stop saying later because you will die and you don't know when it will happen. And when it happens, that's it. Are you ready? Because it's my job to get you ready. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.